Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in this series we're doing called Neighboring Well. Neighboring Well. Um, this series is about hospitality, but um, it's, I, I call it kingdom hospitality, where we're, we're talking about more than just having people over to dinner. That's certainly a part of hospitality, and, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the practical things uh, later on in the series. But uh, I'm talking about the, the idea of making people feel comfortable um, enough so that we have opportunities to introduce to them the gospel. And that part of what we do is we take a stand on behalf of our neighbors against the schemes and the tricks and the traps of the enemy. As we introduce this series, I said, you know, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of darkness. Um, they're not equal in any way. It's not a tug of war. Um, the kingdom of God is vastly superior and already victorious um, at the cross. The kingdom of darkness was ba basically stripped of its power, operates now in lies and deceptions and schemes and traps and tricks. And that what we're called to do, as we looked at in our last series, is be those who declare the praises of God who brought us out of that darkness into his marvelous light. And so we're, we're talking about hospitality and that the spiritual um, application of this is, is taking a stand for our neighbors. And remember, we define neighbors as anybody who needed the mercy of God. Um, we're, we're to take a stand for them against the schemes and the tricks and the traps of the enemy because we're aware of them. And, and people that have not yet come into light may not be so aware of them and need to be uh, made known. And so we stand for them. We don't stand in our own strength. We've been empowered by God to stand against these tricks and traps, not only for ourselves, but on behalf of our neighbors. And the weaponry we have for that is uh, found in Ephesians 6. And we're talking about the armor of God. So we've been looking at the armor of God together, sort of a piece at a time. And what it means as it applies to this idea of hospitality in the kingdom. We've discussed the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, having our feet shod with the readiness. It comes from the gospel of peace. And last week we talked about the shield of faith. Today we're going to look at the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Before we do though, I've got to do this. Uh, bad joke time. What do you call a knife that cuts four loaves of bread at the same time. A four loaf cleaver. That's gold. Comedy gold. Four loaf cleaver. Okay. I will keep trying. <laughs> it's all in the presentation. You gotta sell it. Just gotta sell the joke. 2 Corinthians 10. This is the scripture reading. Thank you, Lord. Verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's our scripture reading. scripture reading. Hold on to that idea as we talk today about Ephesians 6.17 where we're to take the helmet of salvation. Now the helmet, most of you know what a helmet is for. A helmet is for protection. Um, if you ride a bicycle, you know, they recommend that you wear a helmet. If you, uh, if you uh, uh, many sports require helmets to be worn for protection's sake. Pretty important. I remember I, I played uh, football in high school. I was thinking about that uh, earlier today in this uh, whole thought of, of a helmet and how glad I was for helmets that even with a helmet, 
I can remember a few instances in high school where what we called it back then was having our bell rung. Um, I'm sure they were concussions, but they never called it back when I was in high school. They just, so you had your bell rung, shake it off. And they'd kind of ask you if you knew what year it was or anything, and you wouldn't. And they'd be like, you'll be all right. Go get back out there. Um, <laughs> and and the, if you've ever had your bell rung, you know it's, a, it's, a, it's the weirdest thing. There's, there's, nothing worked. You know, it's really strange. Um, and I remember, uh, what, what I can remember of it, you, you kind of b- miss big chunks of that. But um, it's, it's very strange. You can't sort of put things where you need them to be. And... Uh, and so a helmet protects you from those sort of instances because an injury to the head can certainly be life-threatening. And, you know, our brain is the center of our thinking. Our mind is, is you know, the most important thing or at least one of them in our lives. And so it needs to be protected. And, and so, you know, when Paul was looking at a Roman soldier, he saw the helmet and the helmet was in place on the Roman soldier as for protection, for that reason that they needed to protect the head. You know, if uh, you protect the mind, because even, you know, if the mind's not in things, um, you already got a big issue. So, um, so this was the idea, as Paul writes this, the importance of um, protecting our minds and what's going on in there. And he, uh, point number one in your notes is this, it's, it's about the hope of salvation, because Paul further defines the helmet of salvation in 1 Thessalonians 5.8. And he says this, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. See, this is the idea of the salvation that Paul is talking about. He's not merely saying that to engage in the battle you need to be saved, um, because that's sort of a given, and if you read the rest of the armor, that's assumed. What he's, what he's really saying is that what we, we go with is our minds covered and protected by the hope of salvation. And, and see, salvation is, is uh, multifaceted in that, um, you know, we, we were saved when we accepted Christ. Um, um, we're saved now in the present, and we're going to be saved. Uh, we're in the process of being saved all along. It's, it's, it moves along like that. So, we, you know, we were saved at the t- point of conversion. We're saved now, um, you know, in the present, and we're going to be saved. And it's that idea... Uh, is the hope of our salvation, is that, that God's got us, He's going to keep us, he's, he's working in us, He has us in, our, in, in, our, in His hands, and we have the promise and the hope of life now and forever. It's that context. It's a now and forever life that we're engaging in. Our eternal life, we've talked about this, has begun, uh, and we, we experience that life in ever-increasing measures as we continue on with the Lord. And, and so it's this idea that, that we're to understand is what is guarding our minds against all of the mess that's whirling around us. And it, it changes our perspective. It changes our mindset. We no longer have to be consumed by the sort of small, selfish viewpoint that we, we kind of come into this whole process with. Uh, and, you know, most of us engage in this walk, and it's pretty much about us, and then we begin to realize that it's more than us. We talked about that last week. It's a it's not all about me is where life starts to happen. It's some about me, which is very cool, but it's not all about me. And this continues to engage in this idea of our salvation in Him. Uh, salvation um, that, that's not only past, but, but present and future, and that, that He's with us and will continue to be with us now and forever. So we're living in this life, and, and this life in Him um, is so impactful that it begins to change the way that we perceive life around us. 
And so it, this, the idea of our minds being protected with that thought is very, very important. And, and Paul also talks about this idea of our minds in Romans 12 too, um, when he talks about two things, being transformed and the renewing of our mind. Let's start with that first idea in point number two, being transformed. Um, see, ultimately we need to be different than the culture around us, and we talk about that. And our culture, our society um, is discouraged, it's fearful, it's anxious, it's worried. We've had those discussions about how that happens, and, and every, you know, people are just sort of driven, unfortunately nowadays, by the 24-hour news cycles, and every bad thing that they possibly can has this huge impact on them, and not that, that those things aren't difficult, and not that the world's not a broken mess, it is, but... Um, it's not what's to drive us, that's what drives the culture. We're, we're already engaged in our now and forever life, and He's got us and, and will, and so it impacts the way that we perceive things and view things. And so um, our thoughts need to be focused, not on the things that our culture focuses on, but on the kingdom of God and the things of the Lord. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if, we, if we're conformed to the world around us, what happens then is we're not going to be effective at all in taking a stand for our neighbors because we'll just go along with every sort of little bad news that they get and it'll just take us right off with them. And so we lose our impact, we lose our effectiveness. So we need to be transformed. And this is the process that the Spirit is working in us. He's transforming us. Now this idea also, I want to make sure you, you hear this, um, and this is important. It's not about living by a bunch of rules about what Christians are supposed to do and not do. This transformation is about yielding to the Spirit and living for God. And being, because I think people take this verse, this transform thing means, okay, I'm going to exchange all the things that I was doing that I shouldn't have been doing, and now give me a new list of things that I should do, a bunch of rules that I can follow, because that's, you know, that's what I want to do now. And that's not where life is found. And I've said to you, this, this life that we have in Christ, it's an adventure. Um, and, and it's not a boring life. And it's not this, this uh, dull, dreary, stuck sort of life that, that sometimes people think that it is. And so being transformed is not about not having any fun. But here's, here's what I want you to know. And maybe if you don't hear anything else today, you hear this. When you're transformed in Christ, you love to live by doing the next right thing. See, you, it's not a burden to do the next right thing. You love to do the next right thing. That's part of being transformed. It, it's what you want to do. It's not because you're following a bunch of rules. You just realize that that's where life is found, and life is found in Him, and you, you love to do what He wants you to do. You're not having to struggle with everything that comes along. You just you, you begin to love to do what He wants you to do. It it's, means that you're being transformed in those areas. Things are taking place and taking hold. And I love that idea. When you love to do the next right thing, you're being transformed in the process. And so, so we're to be transformed, and along with that process of being transformed is the renewing of our minds. That's the third point. The renewing of our minds. Now you might wonder, well, what's wrong with my mind that makes it uh, need to be renewed? And the problem with your mind is, is that it has an attitude. Do you know that your mind has an attitude? Ephesians 4.23, Paul says, you need to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Uh, the New American Standard takes that verse and says this, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so the spirit of your mind or the attitude of your mind, it's a mindset. 
See, your, your, your brain, your mind is not just a, you know, a computer that processes information. It has a viewpoint. It has an attitude. And our minds are fallen and broken along with the rest of us and like everything else in the world. And so they need to be renewed. All the filters in our mind need to be evaluated and adjusted. And, and we have a lot of broken filters and, and that lead to a lot of broken attitudes in our mind. And I'm, I'm speaking for all of us there because um, I, I think I can safely. Um, I can tell you certainly I have some, some broken attitudes in my mind that I'm working on that the Spirit of God is working on. Let's put that. I can't fix them in my own. I know I can't. In my own strength, they're done. Um, but I can engage with Him in the process and, and by understanding that I have this brokenness and that my mind needs to be renewed. Even after now walking with the Lord for uh, 30 years, um, there's still things that have to be adjusted by the Spirit of God in me that aren't quite right. Um, and it is funny. So I, I can tell you a story. You've heard, if you've been here before, you've heard me talk about these stories. And, and I'm, I'm making progress. I haven't arrived. And it's a mind attitude. It's a, it's a perspective. It's a mindset that's not healthy. Let me tell you what happened. The last three days in a row, I've had to drive into downtown Key West. Um, I don't generally have to do that. It's not part of my normal routine. I'm really kind of stuck here on Big Pine. I like it that way. I don't leave much. But for life things, I've had to go for the last three days to Key West, all the way downtown. Um, and if you've been to Key West lately, you know that Key West is undergoing all this road construction. Okay. Now, there's a spot in Key West. It's been this way for months and months. Everybody who drives down there knows this particular spot. And it's when you come up to that cross street, which I think is Flagler. Um, it's, it's two lanes now, but when you get to where you, you get to that light, the left lane that should, used to go straight through has to turn left. And there's signs for like a half a mile that say, left lane must turn left. And so, having seen that, if you've done it at all, and if, you're, if you, you know what's going on, then you understand that what that means is you're to get into the right lane, um, at, you know, at a convenient time, because that's what's happened, and that lane stops because everybody's in that lane waiting to go through the light. And also, unfortunately, waiting for all the people who pay no attention to the signs and merge down at the end of the road. Anybody with me? Now, if, you, if you've heard me, if you've heard me, you know that this is an issue with me. Used to be here on Big Pine. It's kind of resolved now. But here's a new issue, and it's in here. Three days in a row. Now, here's where I, th- I would say I've made some progress, is that um, um, if people, when people were with me before, they could see me get agitated. Um, the people that were with me never saw me get agitated at this point in time. I've made some progress. But I, I wish I could tell you that it didn't bother me at all. But it put me through all sorts of thought processes for every car that drove by me when I knew. I, I could tell they were locals too. And I'm like, you know exactly what's going on. And, and then I have these thoughts. So it's just an attitude thing like, but you think you're better than me, don't you? <laughs> Somehow you think that you don't have to merge like the rest of us because you're a superior in some way, shape, or form. This is not good thinking, is it? It's flawed, because my mind's flawed. And, and, I'm, and then I start going, and then I think, you know, well, they obviously aren't saved, so I need to pray for them. <laughs> because a saved person wouldn't do that. <laughs> and then I think, well, that's not good thinking. That's not right. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. And then, and then what's so, so fascinating is that not only do they have that now on the way down, they have it on the way back, too, same, almost in the same area. There's another spot. And the thing, the air, and you can see it a half mile back. Let me tell you, on the way back, it was funny. Today, I forgot all about it, so I made progress. But on the way back, today, uh, yesterday, I'm going, and you'll, you'll appreciate this. So there's a car, 
There's actually a big truck. And I was in my big truck, but I just, I really just got in the, just did my thing, got in the right lane, knew what I was supposed to do, and just was trying to be at peace um, and ignore everybody. This, the, behind me, so I'm not the only one that struggles, three cars back was this other big truck, and when we were coming out of town, and he actually got so that no one could get around him in the left lane. He put himself over there. Man, I could hear him honking from behind me, behind that truck. Guy in the big truck, and you could see him smiling too. He's just like, and I'm like, I wanted to go, that's an angel in that truck. Hallelujah. Set me free. I don't have to worry about anybody else doing that, but I don't know. So, see, what I get is this. I, I get that's a brokenness in me um, that I pray about and ask God to fix all the time because it's impatient. It, it ties into my whole, um, I'm busy, you know, my time, all those things. And I, I always keep coming back. I told you last week, I keep coming back to the fact that, that I'm on God's clock. Um, it's his time. It's not my time. He gives me every moment. Whatever I got, I got. It's all because of him. And however he chooses to spend my day is on him. It's really, it's all about him. And, and so I know I, I have to make these, these changes. And I'm working on it uh, in the process. But here's what, here's what I figured out. I think that helps us in the whole thing. Um, to when, when we are being renewed in our minds, when we're being transformed and renewed in our minds, this is what begins to take place. And it's point number four. Is, is a softening in our hearts. Our hearts are softened. And this is, this is a key thing. Because sometimes people will ask me, well, how do I know if any of this is going on? Um, this is what results in transformation and the renewing of the mind, is a softening of the heart. Listen to Paul explain this in Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This, this broken mindset that we have hardens our hearts. It's futile thinking. It's not thinking that's based in Christ at all or in the things of God. It's all very selfish in its process, and it causes us to harden our hearts. And, and yet what should happen is that as we yield to the Spirit of God, our hearts start to become softer in areas. And so what should happen is we should start to become less sort of hard-lined. Our, our, our edges should soften. Our compassion levels should begin to rise. Our, our heart should actually begin to break over the things that break God's heart instead of being consumed by this whole thing of, of you know, what this means to me. And, and it's in the softening of your hearts that, that you can see that this process is at work. And, it, and it, he is at work in us. His Spirit's at work in us. And, and that's a good thing because, you know, I don't, I don't want to be someone that's so stuck that they have to shoot down that left lane anxiety-ridden, trying to squeeze in at that last moment, being reckless because they're that consumed in their life. I don't want to be that person. I also don't want to be the person who gets mad at them for having to live like that. What I really want to end up doing is just be able to pray for those people because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm freed from that. I don't have to be like that. I, I've got bigger and better things in life than that sort of ridiculous drive to, you know, push it to the edge and, and live in that stress-filled place where there's no life. Because when you're consumed by the world like that, that's, what you, that's, where you, that's where you're living. And God calls us to something better than that, something that's much better than that. And, and so our minds have to change, and, and our process, our, the way we look at things have to change, and it changes our perspective. And so that, you know, what begins to happen, my, my hope is, what begins to happen is we see those things, and we, we step out, and step back just a little, and, and think, God, you know, what, what, I'm here, I'm yours, whatever, how can I pray 
for this situation. What's going on with people? Where, where are they at? And it helps me to begin to meet them where they're at. And, and the softening of your heart, your compassion level should go up. Because people that are stuck in this world without Jesus, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. I mean, and that should begin to break your heart. I, I do not know how people make it without Jesus. I can't imagine living in this fearful, um, in, this, in this place without Jesus. I, don't, I know I did years and years ago for, for a chunk of my life, but I, I, don't, I can't even fathom it any longer. And uh, I, I don't want that for anybody. You know, I don't want people to live apart from Jesus. It's not life. And, and so that begins then this, this, uh, this process of, of helping us to take a stand for these people. Instead of being upset with them or anything, we just begin, Lord, I, I just pray that, that you would uh, move into their lives in such a way that they encounter you. Lord, because that's what it's all about. And, and, and begin to find real life. But see, we, we, all these things begin and have to happen, and it starts, you know, this is a, this is a battleground. You know, that the scripture reading today said, you know, what, what happens is we begin to take captive those thoughts instead of running with them. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, in the right, I, so like, I didn't, there was a time when in, in to, I would make sure there was no gap for anybody even think about trying to ask me to yield over. I would be a half an inch from the car in front of me with my great big truck. And everybody was stressed, including me. Because it's hitting the brake, you know, it's like, <laughs> because don't leave a gap. They're starting, I'm starting, they're stopping, I'm stopping, ah! And instead of just being in line, I'd be like, ah, just to try and keep what, one car from getting in? It's ridiculous. Um, but, but see, it, it's now okay, just, just rest, relax. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get there eventually. And, and, you know, people start figuring out, Lord, you know, let me just pray. And see, uh, uh, this, this thing begins to rise in us. So anyway, I, I say all that just, just for you to sort of get that part, that what I want you to look at is, is first off, the transformation should begin to, you, you, you begin to really love to do the next right thing. It's not a burden. It's, I want to do the next right thing. And then, um, as, as we're being renewed in all these thought processes, our hearts will begin to soften, and you'll see it. And you'll go, you know, my heart's softer in that area than it was. Um, and, and it's an ongoing process. Because we come into this mess, most of us, pretty, pretty, I was, I mean, I was extremely hard-edged and uh, can still be but um, see him you know doing things in me which is good and want him to continue so be thinking about those things this week and praying about that and asking God to show you you know where you're making progress and where you can yield to him so that your hearts can be softened in these areas and in life that really matters but that's good for uh, today if you're watching on television or by video thank you so much if you need prayer go to the website we'd be happy to pray for you and we hope you can visit us very, very soon here at Big Pine Key.